You're listening to the CPR of Life podcast, a show about creating community through connection, awakening potential, and uncovering the resilience of the human spirit through an understanding of state of mind. It's about living a life well-lived and uncovering what often gets in the way. Hello and welcome. I'm super excited to chat with my guests today, Leanne McDonald and Julie Brown. These beautiful souls are blazing the trail with their My Mental Health Rocks initiative. Leanne and Julie both work in the area of mental health and well-being. Their passion is evident and the difference that they make in the lives of others is admirable. I'm really looking forward to hearing more about their journey. So welcome to Jules or Julie? How do you want to... Both. Hi, okay. Julie and Leanne, it's such a pleasure to be having this conversation with you. We're already off to a good start. We set the tone before we pressed record. (laughs) So I'm curious to hear more about uh, My Mental Health Rocks. I think it's a fabulous, fabulous initiative. And if you could tell me a little bit more about it. I'll let you this time start, Julie. So My Mental Health Rocks is an initiative to um, create a a mental health workshop for every single school in England, in the UK. Um, It started off small with um, us focusing on the North East and us just working with some schools and has rapidly just exploded. And now we are opening opening the, the, the framework up to find some ambassadors in local areas around the UK that we can train up because obviously as, as dynamic as we are, we still can only be two people in two places. Mm. So if we can train people up in other areas with the My Mental Health Rocks um, workshop, which is an interactive fun workshop, it's not just a sit and be and talked at type mm. of workshop, yeah. Um, we can then spread the word, spread the principles throughout schools in 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 the north in in all of the UK. Um, it's Rianne's brainchild. I've got to give her full credit because it's her. Baby. Um, I'm just jumping on and <laughs> we're just making a go of it and making it up as we go along. A lot of this, and it's gaining such momentum because it's so needed. It's mm. it's such. A, you know, there's so many people talking about mental health, but they've got it all wrong. They're talking about mental health in the negative, not yeah. exactly something that... Tend, yeah, we tend to hear more of people's mental health stories yeah. as opposed to that understanding, don't we? Yeah, so we're setting out to, to re-educate, to, 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 to wholly revamp and change how everybody looks at men, the words mental health. Mm. And when I'm working, definitely this my working definition. I think it's very similar to the World Health Organization, and it's it's about mental health, mental wellness, as opposed to being a negative connotation to it. So I love that. Yeah. So okay, so it started off as a as a as an idea, and it's it's snowballed quite quickly. Leanne, what made you kind of come to this idea? Yeah, me and Julie, we've been working in schools over the last few weeks and we've been getting feedback from school leaders and teachers and pastoral care. And there is a need for this kind of support in schools 
but there isn't necessarily the funding or the schools are reluctant to to give out funding to just anybody you know that they want to to make the right choice so my thoughts behind this workshop is we would fund it we would find people to sponsor us we would find people to bring this into the primary and middle schools across the UK and give them a glimpse so it's an opportunity to give every single school across the UK a snapshot of the three principles and how impactful the understanding can be especially within within children's minds they're more open to it they're more responsive to it and following on from that once we're in there and we've established connections we've established a relationship with every school that we go into or that one of our facilitators goes into we can then open up conversation to uh, perhaps look at a more long-term support and long-term uh, mentorship, long-term uh, group sessions one-to-one once they've actually seen what we can do and seen what we're all about. So that was that was really where the idea came from. It was to, Thanks. yeah, and a lot of, a lot of um, people that are going in and supporting schools are still coming from like traditional psychology backgrounds of problem yeah. solving. And when we go in with our, with our understanding, our three principles understanding, I think a lot of people don't get it because it's hard to say in a sentence or a quick phone call to a school. So to actually go in and, and do it and, you know, live and breathe it and get not just the pupils involved. We want the teachers to attend the workshop. We want them to invite the children's parents in. And we want this to be a whole community affair and for them to really see that this understanding is transformative and it needs to be in every single school across the UK. That is an amazing initiative. I love the fact that you're doing this. So for our listeners who might not know what the three principles are, what do they mean to you? To me, the three principles is life and it's living and breathing how we are as people and how we're experiencing life and it's opportunity, and it's unlimited, and it means that life can be lived with more fun and less seriousness. And it, for me, it removed restraints and it removed beliefs that just were kind of blocking me from just like releasing my shoulders, sighing out a breath of relief, and just enjoying day to day how amazing this life can be and what comes, what shows up for me. It might be great things that show up. It might be not so great things, but either way, it's like participating in a TV show, but I don't know what the script is. (laughs) And I've got Mm. all these actors around me and (laughs) I'm kind of improvising as I go and making the best of the situation. And that for me is the three principles. Nice. So you say that, so you're not looking for the schools aren't, you're not looking for the schools to fund this. So who, how are you going about getting the funding for it? Who's funding this for you? Okay. So we created a magazine called Kids Being Kind magazine, which is for children age five to 10. And it's a monthly magazine subscription. So it's a 16 page magazine. And throughout that, um, are pages of different articles, activities, um, different ways in which children can start to, to look at things with a bit of 
with a more open mind and an, o- an open heart. Now, the magazine is only £3.75. That's every single month. And profits from that magazine, we are going to use to fund this initiative. Wow. We've approached uh, local businesses. We've approached local business women, mums in business. Um, we're going to start approaching and applying for grants from the likes of the National Lottery, the Health Lottery. A lot of big companies in the UK have foundations. So um, I don't know if you're aware of Barber Jacket and uh, Greg's the Baker and loads of different companies have a pot of money that they give out in the form of a grant. So we're going to start getting in touch with them and seeing how they can support us and if they can fund some sessions. And we've we've estimated how much it's going to cost per session. So we've got a target um, per region of what we need to achieve. Ideally, we'd like to hit at least a minimum of 200 schools per region across the UK. Um, But we're going to do it in phases. So we're starting in the northeast of England, and then we're going to go up and down the country from then as and when funding comes available. Nice. And so this is just actually very, very recent that you've announced this or kind of... We've had the magazine in operation for five months. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had the My Mental Health Rocks Facebook pages being open for five months as well because we were initially looking to use it as um, fundraising and awareness. We were going to host fundraising events. And then we started to think, how can we taken into consideration feedback that we're getting from schools and people that we were talking to, how can we use this campaign to really make an impactful difference? So it's all been kind of bubbling away over the last five months. Nice. What, what's the reaction from school so far? What's the feedback like? Do you want to speak to Julie? So this, (laughs) I'm just like hogging the, This is what we do. It's all about the McDonald's. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Julie, you're out. The Browns are kind of outnumbered here. (laughs) You know what? Here's what it is. It's fine. The schools love it. Um, I've been involved also with the Spark Initiative before um, for the past few years. So I already knew that the schools are desperate for these type of programs. And um, the, the issue has always been around the funding. You know, the, the, the government cuts, is, you know, as they with everything in life, you know, it's trickier and trickier and trickier to get into places with, with the funds it cuts. So because of the fact that we've created this, this program, um, and it's very different, but because we've created it and, and also found a way sustainably to fund the program, mm. Then the schools are just lining up, may please, may please, may please, quite literally. <laughs> when can you come to my school? When can you come to my school? Um, because it's such a needed, such a needed resource. Um, and the, the program that we've actually created to follow on from the um, the workshops is it's a whole school approach. It's not just teachers not just pupils it's it's parents it's pastoral care it's dinner ladies it, it's top to bottom um so the the understanding of, of how we live our lives and 
how things aren't necessarily always what they seem to be and we don't need to take things as seriously and, and just really promote the mental health that we all actually do have without the clouds in the way then it's just it, it's just you can have a ripple effect or you can have a tsunami and I think we're going to be the tsunami you're the tsunami <laughs> I think that's interesting oh sorry go ahead uh, what I've noticed is when I've done workshops with kids or worked one-on-one with kids, I used to just do it that way. But I found that it doesn't, like, if you involve the parents in the conversation, it, it's just, it's it's more whole, like, it's it's necessary for me. It's kind of one of these things now. So when I talk to a parent who wants me to work with their child, I'll say, absolutely love to do that. But, you know, this is kind of, it's, 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 it's a bigger picture than just the child. Yeah. Because I don't know if it's your experience, but it's my experience that when parents bring their children to me for what they think is the problem, it's never the problem. One, that's know. never the problem. And two, that implies that the child is the problem. Yeah, that's exactly. And, exactly. and what I always say to everybody is there's never the problem. It's only yeah. ever a way of thinking and we can always change that at any time. Yeah. I mean, things different. This is why I again just the same as you. I'll always say, and I think Leanne is the same thing. We don't work with the child; we work as a unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm always amazed by the number of parents that place the responsibility of supporting their child's emotional development on schools. Yeah, that that, and I've had feedback from parents who are quite annoyed at the lack of emotional um, support available to their children in school. Which, fair enough. It should be in place, but really it starts at home. <laughs> it so does. Mm. It's, I've had that conversation too. And you see, I don't know if you have it over there, but for my son's school, they have like a parent Facebook group. And I don't go into it very often because when I do, I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no, life's too short for that. Mm. <laughs> it really, really is. And there's once or twice when I've kind of put something, but there's so much from what I see so much pressure put on the teachers and it's the teacher's responsibility. And I've had conversations to say, have you gone into a classroom and sat with, I don't know what your classroom sizes are like there, but they're, I think 30, you know, is, is um, 25 to 30 here. And, 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 you know, you can't just, they have so much responsibility put on them that the onus to kind of add this on is, it's an interesting perspective. We are currently hosting a training for 23 teachers at the moment. Some of them are training and, and all, none of the teachers have got any understanding of the principles whatsoever. It's just the training and, and they're getting so much out of it, aren't they? We very rarely mention the word um, the words three principles in any of yeah. our sessions or any of our, and we very rarely go down the thoughts, mind, consciousness. We don't have that discussion in. in yeah, it's more about um, guiding them and supporting them to to come to these realizations themselves. And we did a. a training didn't we with 20 teachers but they were from various they weren't all teachers actually there were school staff from various posts within a school that we were going to go and work with the children and you could see there was like a triangle so there was the parents who all hated the teachers the teachers all hated the parents the parents <laughs> didn't much care for the children neither did the teachers the, the, oh my goodness 
the pupils didn't much care for their parents or the teachers. One child, in fact, said, we were talking about our fears, and he said, I'm, I'm scared of my mum. <laughs> <laughs> so in this one school, there was this like triangle of everybody kind of blaming typical outside-in you know, mindset of everyone's to blame for me. The teachers were blaming the parents. The parents were blaming the teachers. The children, you know, are stuck in the middle of this. Um, and it's just so interesting going in and, and helping them see things differently and then seeing that light bulb go off when they do. Yeah. It's, um, it's a really special moment. So when you go... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Julie. I was just going to say, when you say them being quite closed initially to start off with when you first go in and, you know, they're sitting there thinking, James, this <laughs> yeah. And you can see that and then you can see what we're seeing. So it's like, what do they know? And you can, and, and it's, you can read the room, so to speak. Yeah. And then after was- a while, after a few questions that are answered, like the arms come unfolded and the shoulders come down and, oh, right. And it, it's just amazing to watch the transformation in the room. It was quite funny after the first session we did at the last school, we came out absolutely buzzing. We thought the kids were amazing. Yeah. Um, when we gave our feedback to the school, we said those children are amazing and special and we're so excited to come back next week. And they almost laughed at us. <laughs> like, <laughs> what children were you with? <laughs> These are the worst of the worst. And it's so interesting as yeah. well to see children living up to these kind of labels that are being placed on them. And then we go in completely no labels. We don't make judgment. We're not, we're not there to fix them. We're there to have a fun hour trying to understand ourselves a little bit better. And it was interesting to see the children kind of have a bit of conflict into, you could see them. Why aren't they treating us as if we're, the naughty children or the behavioral problem children like like what's going on here you could see the whole confusion going on and that's that's interesting they're to us. Mm? they're actually listening to us yeah yeah, yeah. or laughing and we had we had so much fun with that actual set of children we kind of ran into each session really excited to get started um there were some fabulous characters in the group so how do you, when you kind of first bring this to a school and say, this is what you'd like to do, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this there, but I've experienced here where schools say, well, we've already got um, a resilience curriculum. Um, and do you run into that sort of thing? I find just asking how that's working out for them is usually a good start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> End of conversation right there. Yeah. And then the sign the check. That's that way I don't have to go in and sell anything. It's just like, so, like, we've come here to have a discussion. We know that in this area, the main, the main struggles are um, transition, etc. what it is. Um, and, and, you know, we know that you've got some programs in. How are they working out for you? And they'll just look and they'll just go, wow. And so, so then we'll just go, you know what, that's that program. We, and we see a lot of programs like this. And for some people, they're going to work very well, but they tend to be stop gaps. They tend to be um, just putting a cover on something instead of actually fixing the root of the problem. And what we tend to do is, is when we know what goes on, when we know how we work, 
don't need to worry about fix putting a band-aid on the problem that we know isn't real. Yeah, because there is no problem. (laughs) But also teachers are there to teach and they... Teachers that are delivering these in-school resilience programs are also teachers that are teaching English and history and science. And their method is to provide information. It's not to explore. So nine times out of 10, any teacher actually without really having a shift in their own mindset isn't going to be successful at helping a child with their resilience and, and their confidence because, you know, when you're given a lesson, you're providing information. You're not waiting for feedback to come back from you. And you're giving the children a task to complete and have they completed. And it, there's no like interaction or back and forth or exploration going on. It's just information giving. So I think that is another way that you can overcome if a school is a little bit resistant or, or has an in-house program helping them to understand that sometimes an outside source coming in with a fresh pair of eyes and a fresh perspective is exactly what the school needs and a fresh way, fresh approach of delivering the lessons and the message to the children. And also by actually giving the the heads of the schools a felt experience for themselves of what Mm. we're teaching. Instead of sitting talking out and trying to sell something by actually giving them that feeling you know what we call give them that feeling but by actually just like guiding them to it yeah by just being able to be okay and and open and have questions and really listen to what they're saying because quite often heads don't get listened to either you'd be surprised how many people don't get listened to they've Mm. just got orders that keep coming down and you know what they say goes downwards so that's yeah. what it is. And the thing is with resilience programs, what we found is they're very scripted. And, yeah. and as Leanne says, because the teachers are, are, are internal teachers who have been given even more work to do that they don't really want to do because they've got enough to do anyway, but because they're going to do that, then when they go off, when the kids go off script, they just pull them back on. Whereas as we know, when we've got the understanding that we've got, we can take anything from any direction and not have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. We can just, we've got it, we've got it, uh, we've got our, our program that we deliver and we've got our lessons and the support. And just as we have done in class, if something's said to somebody, we, we just go off script and improvise with that as well. And sometimes that's where the best, where the best lessons are. Mm. I, so, I don't so think we've managed to stick to a lesson plan yet, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> you know, but there's something to that as well, because I've been interviewed for podcasts and I've been given the questions in advance. The difference, and I've had people who say to me, you know, can you give me questions? I don't have questions. Because the power for me about having this podcast is about the power of connection. And it's about the power of a conversation. And I can never predict where a conversation is going to go. And it really can go in beautiful ways. And I think that's the same thing with, because every child is different, you know, and every child is unique and beautiful in their own way. And if we're talking to that spark inside them, that's where the beauty is. Mm. One thing I always say to every teacher, every school and every head, 
is that every adult, every teacher, and if we're doing group teaching, every single person can remember a teacher from school. And yeah. they smile when they think of that teacher. Now, everybody who's listening to this podcast will have that one teacher. Probably not many of them will remember the lessons or what that teacher mm. actually taught them, but they'll remember how that teacher connected with them, how yeah. that teacher listened to them, how that teacher was there and had time for them. Yeah. And that's the difference. It's not the word, it's not the lessons how we teach a child, it's how we teach them, it's connecting with them, it's it's giving them felt experiences. And you know what? When I went to school, I know I had lessons where I switched off with, and I know I had lessons where I engaged because of the connection with the teacher. And that's yeah. where the power is. And and you know, when you said the same thing to a head, if you see, you know what. I'm sure you've got a teacher that you liked, that you really got on with, that you wanted to try your best for. And I'm sure you've got teachers that you didn't. And quite often I've seen I've seen heads actually look and change departments around when they've had that light bulb moment drop and just think, you know what, that's why we're not getting the results from certain things. Yeah. And change things around. It, it does make so much sense because, you know, Often, I can think of a teacher who said something to me in high school. Um, I wasn't good in math and said I would never, I, there's no point in doing anything past because I wasn't, I just wasn't smart in that area. And I reflected on that conversation when I was in university and I was doing a statistics course and I was getting an A. And then it was like, oh, you know, like, but so often we take these words and we embrace them as if they're truth. There's something like 70% of children who did creative or creativity in arts and drawing and things like that, that got a negative comment from a teacher that never drew again. Yeah. Because that comment stuck. And it was just, you know, maybe a throwaway comment. And I know I was certainly told I can't draw and I can't make a matchstick man look good. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm aware of that. But just even with the best will in the world, those comments are useful. They stick. And straight away, you've lost all the motivation of child. As soon as you you give them a label or tell them they can't do something, children just don't believe it. They believe it. They just, and they don't question it. Because the teacher knows best, right? Yeah. It's when you say the connection, that really hit for me because at my son's school, his grade three teacher was incredible in the way that she connected with the kids. And I see it when I walk my son to school, all the kids are always running up to her, you know, and that's something that's so powerful. And I'm sure she will remain pivotal in a lot of kids memories for a long time because of that and when I I went into her class to do some sessions and I saw her presence you could feel it it was palpable in the room then teachers that get so much out of the children because they didn't they just they see the children as as people as individuals that take the time to get to know them a little bit little and they they embrace their, you know, their quirks or their little jokes or their sense of humor or their outside hobbies and just little things, but it makes the world of difference. And academically through school, it comes up as well. Yeah. 
So, okay, I'm, I'm going to circle back to something here. So, Leanne, about the magazine and also about the program, so two things. Is it geared towards specific ages? Yes. The um, Kids Being Kind is between the age of 5 to 10. Okay. And we launched a Tweens Being Kind, so a next category up between the age of 11 to 15. Hmm. That's been put on hold for a couple of months just due to the sheer volume of work that we've got because I I actually create the magazine myself. I design it. I um, put it in a format to go to the printers. I do the distribution as well as all of the other things that I've got going on uh, with the campaign. And we are looking to outsource um, somebody to contribute towards that magazine, which is in the pipeline. So it will probably start back up next month or the month after. Okay. And that's for tweens 11 to 15. So again, it's just focusing on articles. that. And then the program. So my school rocks the program that you're bringing into the schools right now. Is there a particular age category for that? That's from five all the way up. So from um, all the way through the school, so right through to high school. So up till 16 to 18 from the age of five. So how does that work then when you go into a school? Do you do the whole school or do you do like one class and then see where it goes? We would ideally love to do every single year group, but what generally happens is the school decide the children that they would like us to focus on first. Mm. Um, The last children that we worked with were in a year six, the UK year six, which is 11 years of age. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a mix of 10 and 11-year-olds. But ideally, what we see working the best is to work through starting in primary school and do sessions in every single year group or a mixture of, say, year one and two, two and three, just so the whole school's getting a feel and the teaching staff that come with that class. As well as... ...by the school leaders. We're also looking to train teachers up. So because in that way... Um, if we've got teachers themselves trained in the programme, the teachers can teach as many years as they want. Yeah. And then they can go through the whole school and that way it's even more cost effective than bringing somebody else in to teach it. If they if we tra- if they train or we train one of their pastoral care or something up, then they can just go through the f- they can go through the full school. Yeah. They can go through the full school with it. Yeah. And the initial the, the initial session that you go into do did you say it's an hour? Well, it's, we're going to do, um, I think that's getting extended as the workshop develops. And as we look to open it to the wider community, it might become more of a half a day thing. Mm-hmm. Because we've now enlisted the help of an amazing lady who creates songs to uplift children. And she is recording a song. So we're going to um, have a sing-along session. So as as the campaign progresses and more people are providing us with their time and giving feedback um the actual workshop is is developing nice um I saw your Facebook post about the song I think that that's fabulous that they're actually she's creating a song just for this I think that that's yeah we spoke last night about it and this morning she sent me a message at 5 30 a.m UK time saying I've written the chorus so (laughs) she's really excited and then she sang it to me this afternoon and I got goosebumps 
because the chorus just really works perfectly and I could I could see like in my mind's eye I could see how it was going to play out in the workshop I could see how effective it was going to be and it's such a catchy um chorus line I could see that about days after we leave children are going to be singing this and it's keep the keep it the momentum and keep them thinking about it and keep them being inquisitive and looking and looking into what we're going to chat about during our workshop so I got very excited after that uh, phone call this afternoon I I'm even thinking along the lines if we could possibly get schools to play it in assembly in the mornings <clears throat> that's what I was just uh, just what rang through my head when you said it I was like if it's something that kind of if it brings them back to the space on a regular basis in the yeah. morning when they have the school assembly you know it's just Sing it could be that as well and just start the day off with that yeah, yeah. So you're excited we're actually chatting about an album because we started to um when we were chatting about some verses today and I was kind of giving it given her an idea of some of the lessons that we've got planned for this, the workshops within the schools. Obviously, there's going to be different ages, different um, dynamics. Some schools in the UK, there's only 20 students in the entire school. Some you've got 1,400. Yeah. So we've got some different ideas on how the workshops will play out school to school. And, sh- and as we were talking about it, she was like, oh my gosh, I think we need a song for that actual lesson plan in full. So we said we'll probably end up with a My Mental Health Rocks album by the time we were finished, which is great. Because if we get our first song out in September, in line with the launch of when we start doing these workshops. Number one. Yeah. If we can have, if we can have an album that we can leave with schools, even through yeah. song. This yep. message can be can be portrayed. This understanding can be um, brought into children's lives, even through song, and then being uplifted and joining in and feeling joyful. So it's really exciting that we've got this person on board. I think it's amazing. I I just because I, I just I just watched your clip a few minutes before we came on, <laughs> and I saw it, and it was just like to me, this is beautiful, and it's the power of kind of connection and community in this in the in and knowing that this is something that's a benefit to everybody. So why wouldn't everybody kind of be on board with it? Yeah. So Absolutely. well done. So Leanne, when do you sleep? <laughs> well, <laughs> Leanne's also got four children. I've got four children. Oh yeah. my. Le- <laughs> I have, I've got two three-year-olds. But Sophia's four in, a, in two months' time. There's ten months apart. They're my Irish twins. And I've got a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. And wow. my cheeks are tied. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Good. You're a busy... Gosh, now I feel kind of lazy with my one that I don't get. <laughs> I can share mine with you. Nope, you know, no, no. I'll, get, I'll get on Expedia, get a flight route. <laughs> Actually, that might not be bad. My son's always saying he'd like a sibling, so. Oh, well, we've got the same surname, so. <laughs> we've got this all sorted already. <laughs> Maybe a few explanations might be needed to fill in the gaps. <laughs> it's all thoughts, kids. It's all thoughts. <laughs> so my mental health rocks mm-hmm. is going to be something that launches in September. Yes. It's a bit of a chicken and an egg situation because without sponsors, we can't 
have yeah. run the campaign. But without having a soft launch of the campaign, we can't entice sponsors. So we're in that that kind of grey area at the moment. So we're pre-launch, we're raising awareness, we are um, processing sponsors' applications all the time, we're reaching out to people. We've got two press interviews this week with local um, paper, newspapers, Um Next week, we've got an interview we're, we're featuring on podcasts. It's really, we're just kind of doing the rounds and getting as much awareness as possible. And we're going to start recruiting our regional ambassadors. So we want community ambassadors to help help us um, gain momentum and gain exposure. And from September, we'll hopefully have our action plan of which schools will be going into, the dates will be going into them. Um, and then we'll, we'll take it from there. So we'll do month by month an action plan of the schools that are going to sign up to this. So we're in that just initial planning phase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Um, so is this kind of becoming? I don't know. But I think is it is it in the UK called a social enterprise? It's registered as a community interest, which is a social enterprise essentially. So it's like a not for profit. Yeah. Um, company and that's how we're able to contact people like the National Lottery and Heritage Fund uh, for grants and funding. Yeah it's very similar here just yeah because that's the thing unless you're kind of registered as an organization it's much harder to, to get your foot in the door. And we're wording it as sponsorship rather than saying to people we want you to fund them we want people to sponsor this and we want them to be as much as part of the campaign and being as important so for example if a business is is supporting us and funding sessions in schools we're hopefully going to build our social media um increase our number of followers so we're able to support them in turn with raising awareness um of the fact that they are sponsoring our campaign so and that's good because i think that that message kind of becomes that especially for companies is that mental health matters to them as well. And that's, yeah. you know, that's a whole other campaign. We that do, and we can always go in and, and you know, to took the mental health rocks in the companies as well. If, you know, if they weren't needed it as well. Yeah, I was thinking today about approaching larger companies, corporate companies and doing like a barter exchange as financial support for, you know, supporting their, their staff members. But the opportunities are endless. I mean, we've got sponsors who aren't financially sponsoring us, but they are sponsoring us, like Carol, who's creating our song. Mm-hmm. You know, that is going to come to her as add an expense, studio hire, musicians, that kind of thing. So she's donating that song to us. So she's a sponsor of the campaign because yeah. she's bringing something to the table. So it's not necessarily about financial sponsorship. It's about how we can be helped and supported to move forward with the campaign so in this at the end of this with the kids so they go through your program and the message that you want to leave them or or to you know kind of to sit with what would that be well I think Julie summed it up perfectly when we were looking at um website copy and that was that they're not broken and that life is unlimited for them life is unlimited for the kids 
and that whatever we go through in life is always a temporary experience that leads us to the next temporary experience that leads us to the next temporary experience so and we have this amazing thing inside of us that literally is carrying us through life so no matter what trouble we get into we're still being carried through life no matter what situation we get into we're still we have that bounce back we have that um you know spark inside of us yeah that's like that's about 20 messages (laughs) (laughs) life's an adventure and we've got our torch to shine our way Mm. And, and we can never be broken. Our children they can never be broken. Yeah. We never need to fix our children because they're not broken. They never yeah. can be. You know, it's funny when you when you say that to people. I I do some volunteer work with a group of women and children who've been trafficked. And when I first um, had a conversation with the person that asked me to do this, I said that's the space that I come from, you know, and she was just like, well, they're not necessarily going to feel that way. And I said, that doesn't matter. That's where the conversation happens. And that's the beauty of being in that space. And I can tell you, it's probably the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life is when they come to the screen because they're in Asia somewhere and they can, you know, they show up feeling that way or, or having made that decision and, and grasping onto that belief. And when we explore that, that's, you know, there's a completely alternative. And just the fact that actually some of them may feel as though they're broken and some of them may not alone tells you that the experience can't break them. Yeah. And it's amazing. So I think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Julie, how did you, so I know how Leanne got into all this. How did you get into doing this? Um, I've been around the principal since about 2014 and I joined the Spark initiative when before it was actually released. So I, I saw an advert from Brooke and we had some conversations and just the same as Leanne and I, we knew it had to be done. We know it's got to be done. We, you know, we need it so much. Um, so I just jumped on board and within six weeks I was in a school teaching the Spark program. Um, and, you know, I still work with the Spark team. I've just finished a professional and a parenting group training with them that we're doing. Um, and we've got hopefully plans in the pipeline that we can't actually talk about yet because they, they haven't been um, finalised yet. But hopefully we're going to be having plans in the headlines to all be involved. We're going to be involved together. There's some going to be some collaboration along the way somewhere. Um, and... and Leanne and I actually met on um, Amir Kahuti's um, Facebook group. Yeah. And because we live maybe about an hour away from each other, and in the principal community, the people are dotted about miles away from each other. So it was like, let's meet for coffee. <laughs> yeah. And that's what we did. And literally it was just, you know how you can, you're going to get two stones that spark off each other and just create mm. that. That's pretty much what we've done, I think. Mm. just went um some people just come into your life for a reason and I think Leanne's most definitely one of those people people. I can definitely see that spark it's it's a very beautiful presence that both of you have and I think that my mental health rocks is really going to benefit from from having the passion that the two of you obviously have I'm really excited to see this come forward and I'd love to have another conversation when um when it rolls out and uh, we need to see if we can do this in America 
Well, I'm in Canada, so I'd like to... Oh, Canada? Wow, even better. (laughs) (laughs) You see, it's everywhere. We have to come up with a personal training, of course. Of of course, of course. I'm originally from Scotland, so I pop across the pond quite a... a, Well, not as often as I'd like, but certainly... in Scotland? I was born in Livingston, outside of Edinburgh, but my mum and dad are from the Isle of Lewis. Right. Well, only a few... Two hours away from Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah, I live quite close to the Scottish border. Uh, it's it's uh, it's one of the reasons that having an online business was for me. I keep telling my son that he should go to university over there, and as a mother, I will be happy to kind of move in the vicinity just to support him in, in that. <laughs> yeah. So listen, ladies, I have loved chatting with you and getting to know a little bit more about this. And I'd be really happy to have you back, like I say, to kind of see how things unfold for you. I'm happy to support you in any way that I can. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having the conversation. What a pleasure it was talking to Julie and Leanne. Their passion and their work are so inspiring. The My Mental Health Rocks initiative really drives home the point that it takes a village. And when that perspective is embraced, amazing things can happen. I can't wait to see what happens with this moving forward. I think the combination of the Kids Being Kind magazine and My Mental Health Rocks initiative are going to make a big impact. Not just in the UK. Hopefully that initiative will be taken elsewhere. Here are a few thought bomb takeaways. Teachers already have so many demands placed upon them. Adding the responsibility of emotional learning is neither reasonable nor fair. Of course, there's so much emotional learning that already goes on in day-to-day life at school, but that should be based on what a child already knows. Children learn that in all of the relationships and interactions that they have. It is our jobs as parents, as teachers, as grandparents, as friends, to really contribute to the mental health of children. There's a huge difference between teaching versus exploring. I loved when Leanne pointed that out. Teachers have a set curriculum they have to follow, and this initiative focuses on exploration which is so insightful and fun and life-changing. I can tell you that from the clients that I work with. Teachers have an incredible impact and responsibility. I hadn't thought about it, but when Julia mentioned that everyone can remember a teacher, whether that be because of a negative or a life-changing experience, teachers are definitely a crucial part of creating the future of our children. And finally, This message is one that every person needs to hear. You are not broken. Life is limitless when it comes to the potential. And a gentle reminder when you're struggling, whatever you're going through is a temporary experience. Knowing this makes life flow in a much more natural and less stressful way. Until next time, be well, be inspired. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll share this podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with Jessie Lynn, please check out the contact page on her website, jessielynnmcdonald.com. Also, we'd be beyond grateful if you would leave us a review. 
Join us next time for another edition of the CPR of Life.